want to ask you to take your Bibles this morning. We're going to look together in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 15. This is one of those passages, when you read it, you're like, well, I just can't hardly believe that that's in the Bible. Here it is. One of the things, someone said this about the Bible. One of the ways that you know that the Bible is God's Word is that God doesn't hide things that His people do. He allows us to be able to see their difficulties, their warts, their troubles, and we can relate to them. So let's pick up Acts chapter 15, verse 36. Then, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And when they went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Let's have prayer again together. Lord, I ask ask that you would bless us now. Help us as we study your word. May your Holy Spirit just be able to work and move among us. And may you be honored and glorified. I give you thanks for all that you do, for the time that we have to worship and to learn and to grow together. And so I pray your blessings now upon each one. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, back in the uh, early 90s, there was a church in in Lexington. It was a a Christian church. Choir was getting ready to come in to be able to start the service, have their first hymn. So as they were coming in, there were two ladies that didn't come in with that choir, uh, Naomi and uh, Demetrius, and said they were arguing about who was singing out of tune. Well, according to the police report, it really had started the Tuesday before at choir practice when the choir uh, leader had stopped them and told Naomi that she was singing out of tune. And she said, it's not me, and pointed then to Demetrius. And so uh, Naomi said she was going to get even. Well, apparently she took out some Drano drain cleaner, and sprayed on Demetrius. She had some burns. There was five other people that kind of had some effect by it. And the carpet was burned through. uh, And some marks were left on the floor. It's not something you'd expect at church. But it happens sometimes. There's things that take place, and you're like, oh, I can't believe that's happening at church. But can I tell you this? We come to church to worship the Lord, and He's worthy of worship regardless of what anybody else says and thinks. We come to this passage today, and we're kind of, in some ways, taken back. We're kind of surprised by it. Paul Barnabas. What a dynamic duo. Two guys you have up here as high as you can go is when you think about two people serving and living for the Lord. You can call them a dynamic duo. I mean, what they accomplished is just amazing. And they just complimented each other. I mean, Paul was so driven. He had so much knowledge. 
could be able to discuss and talk with anyone. Barnabas, boy, he just so encouraging, so uplifting, and so personable. And they just complimented each other with their gifts. And whenever discipleship needed to take place in Antioch, Paul and Barnabas, they were successful in helping people learn about Christ and to walk with Christ. The people were first called Christians at Antioch. Then when as they went on their missionary journey, I mean, they just complimented each other and the results that they had. These guys were obedient. When it comes to serving God and God put a call upon their life, they said yes. And if it meant going overseas, going somewhere, it didn't stop them. They were more than willing to serve. They were obedient, obedient to God's word, obedient to his call. These fellows were committed. They were committed to missions. It didn't matter if it, they were sick. It didn't matter if they faced obstacles, if they faced persecution, if they faced difficulties. They were committed. And they were not just committed, they were faithful to one another. One thing you knew, if it was going to get tough, the other one was going to be there. They weren't going to desert or run. And so they were just faithful, and you could trust them. When they returned from the mission trip, the church entrusted them to go back to Jerusalem. Somebody had challenged their faith, and so they said, let's go back to the leaders at Jerusalem and see what they're saying about this. And Paul and Barnabas were the representatives from the church of Antioch. They sent the letter back with them with the results, and in it, they called Paul and Barnabas beloved. Your beloved Paul and Barnabas. Because that's how they were looked at. That's how they were viewed. People knew. They were difference makers and they had such respect for them. You could tell they were blessed and they had God's hand upon them. So, Paul and Barnabas, what a dynamic duo. I mean, you can't get better than that. That's how come when you get to chapter 15, toward the end of this chapter, you're like, wait a minute, I can't believe that Paul and Barnabas, the dynamic duo, are now divided. They're a divided duo because that's how it ends. And we're just kind of taken back. We're kind of stunned. G. Campbell Morgan said this. He said, you know, I'm so glad this is in the Scriptures. He said, because... Paul and Barnabas, oh, I just thought they were perfect. Turns out they're human just like the rest of us. And so Paul and Barnabas have a disagreement. And it results from John Mark. John Mark, young fella, went with them on the first missionary journey. And for whatever reason, we, we discussed a little bit of that a few weeks ago, but he left them. He just up and said, I'm done. And was gone. Some people thought he was homesick. Some people thought, well, when they started off, Barnabas was more the spokesman, but it turned out that it was more Paul's gift. And so Barnabas said, no, you take the leadership role here. And some people thought he had a hard time with that. Some people thought, no, it was the way there was the Gentiles becoming Christians. He had a hard time. So there was a lot of different things that people thought that John Mark had. But whatever it was, John Mark left. He went back home. And so Barnabas says, when we were in Jerusalem, I talked to John Mark, and he wants to come back 
with us. He's sorry for leaving. He's ready now to be able to go on this mission trip. And Paul said, I don't think so. Uh, he left us. This is such an important thing. This is my life task. And when you're going on a mission trip, you want people that are flexible, that are willing to work with you. No, he can't come. Barnabas, he insisted. He said, listen, he's got a call on his life. He needs a second chance. Well, their disagreement became so tough. The Bible tells us here it's contention. It had sharp words. In other words, it became heated. That's what the word means. It was harsh. Paul may have quoted Scripture. He may have quoted Proverbs 25, 19. You know what it says? Confidence in an unfaithful man is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. That hurts. You know, John Mark is actually Barb's cousin. Now you're talking about family. <laughs> that didn't go over too good. Barnabas may have responded back with Paul and, and talked to him about his past. And when you talk about people's past, sometimes that doesn't go over well. And it just escalated. And it just got out of hand. You know what the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs? Proverbs 12, 18. Reckless words pierce like a sword. Chuck Swindoll said he knows a fellow, he said he's in his 70s. Got in a disagreement with his father-in-law when he was young. And his father-in-law said, oh, I never liked you anyway. I wish you wasn't in our family. He said, to this day, that hurts. It just bothers him. Those words, they sting. It's like a sword that just stabs. Proverbs 10, 19 says this, In a multitude of words, sin is not lacking. As things get heated, you end up saying things you wish you hadn't said. You ever heard the uh, children's sermon where a person, he took out the toothpaste and took a little bit out and actually took a lot out. He said, oh, I got too much. And he asked the children to come and help him put it back in the tube. You can't do that. It doesn't go back in the tube. And when you say things, you can't say, oh, I want to take those back. Here's what James said in the book of James, James 3, 2. He said about words, he said, we stumble, we all stumble in many ways. But if anyone does not stumble in word, he's a perfect man. He's able to, to bridle the whole body. James said, if you can control your tongue, you can do anything else. That's the hardest thing of all the body to be able to control, the tongue. It can get us in trouble. And Barnabas and Paul, unfortunately, it got out of hand. And as a result, their partnership was dissolved. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes, wouldn't you like to be able to have do-overs? You can't, but wouldn't you like that? You know, in golf sometimes, you'll play in a scramble, and they will sell mulligans, where if you hit a bad shot, you can be able to have another shot at it again. It does real well, by the way. If you're doing a fundraiser at a golf scramble, that does real well. People will buy a mulligan because they know sooner or later they're going to make a bad shot, and uh, they'd like to be able to have a chance to do it over. Now, normally, when you're playing just by yourself or with somebody else, they don't let you do that. I tell you, I remember playing with a guy one time, and 
He was hitting again. I said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm taking a mulligan. And then he was out on the fairway, and he took his tee out. I said, what are you doing? You're not supposed to do that. Oh, it, it helps me. <laughs> yeah, I guess it does. But uh, you're not supposed to be able to do that, but it would be nice if you could. But, you know, we can learn from others. And Paul and Barnabas would love for us to learn from them. And we can learn from other people's mistakes. And so when it comes to communication, we need to be able to care enough. If we're going to have a do-over, can't. But we could learn this, to care enough to listen. There's a difference between hearing and listening. You know, James tells us, slow, slow to be able to get angry, slow to speak, but quick to listen. To listen is more than hearing because it means that you're actually trying to understand what's being said, what's being communicated. And so we need to care about people enough to say, why is it that you feel this way? What is it you're really trying to say? Paul could have said, Barnabas, why, what's so important that we take John Mark along? Why do you feel this way? And let me tell you why I don't want him along. And they needed to listen. Sometimes we need to consider a compromise. They could have said, hey, why don't we take somebody else along with John Mark? That way if he leaves, we got somebody else here. Or maybe, let's not take him this trip, but we'll do another one and we'll be able to take him. Compromise can go a long way. I'm not talking about compromising our basic doctrines, but we can compromise in other areas. And then we just need to be careful with our words. Cliff Barrows worked with Billy Graham. He said this, he said, there is basically 12 words that will protect your family, that will change your family and keep your family together, that will hold your family together, that will keep friendships from falling apart. Here they are. I was wrong. I am sorry. Please forgive me. And I love you. Somebody might say, you know, that would have been helpful for me sometime back, but it's too late now. No, these words, it's never too late. These are powerful words that can make a difference in relationships, that can make a difference in marriages, that can make a difference with your family and healing hurts. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I love you. Now, it could be that it really wasn't as bad as what we think here. And it could be that they just decided the best thing for us to do is to go different ways because we've just got different ideals about missions. You see, Barnabas was a discipler. That's why he was with Paul to start with. Other people didn't believe in Paul, but he did. He knew that Paul was called and gifted. And Barnabas was there to encourage him and bring out the best. Paul was doing fine now. People believed in Paul. And so now Barnabas looked at John Mark and he saw potential nobody else did. And he said, I believe in him. And so I want to work with John Mark. Paul was driven. Driven with the gospel, with evangelism. And he just didn't have, he just was in a hurry to be able to share. He knew his time was limited and he wanted to be able to make an impact. They had just different aspects. Here's the great thing. 
we've got a different duo, but here's what God does. He brings good out of situations. You know, instead of one mission team, we had two. It's hard to be two places at once. I love people. I love being with people. But you can't be two places at once. But somebody else can where you can't. And that's what happened here. We had more than one mission team. I think Paul learned a lesson because he ended up later on developing people and knowing, you know, I can't be here and here, but I can send someone else that is very capable making a difference. And they had two mission teams. Not only did they have two mission teams, but Paul and Barnabas, they had new partners. Silas come on the scene. Paul had Silas agree to go along with him. Silas had a different gift. We all as Christians have different gifts. And sometimes when somebody steps down a position, somebody comes into a position, it's going to be a little different because those people are different. They have different gifts. Silas was a little different. He spoke more languages. When Paul writes to First and Second Thessalonians, Silas is actually the one that's writing. Many people believe First Thessalonians was Paul's first letter. And so it could be that the reason that Paul started writing letters, he wrote half the New Testament, was because of this change, because Silas was there encouraging him. Silas actually was the one that copied down as Peter dictated First Peter. And so Silas was a very talented man. Things began to change just a little bit. Now, Paul spent so much time with Barnabas, he was influenced by Barnabas. And by the way, whenever you have somebody that's so godly, that's so talented and gifted, you spend as much time with them as you can, and you'll be surprised. Their influence will carry over to you. And although Paul was not gifted like Barnabas, Barnabas impacted the rest of his ministry. And you'll find that Paul's different. And that Paul, later on, he's going to take on a young associate, Timothy. And you know what? He's going to be protective. He's going to be caring. He's looking out for Timothy. And he's going to do that with all of his associates. He's going to help them. He's going to develop them. He's going to become more like Barnabas. Now, he's not the same as Barnabas. But nevertheless, he picked up some of Barnabas' traits. And so... The influence and impact of Barnabas, it went with him. And it should go, as you are with people that walk with Christ, you're going to pick up their traits too. And then we see John Mark. We see his growth. We see a difference with John Mark. Listen, Paul actually, in some of his letters, wrote about John Mark. For example, in Colossians 4.10. It says this, Paul wrote to them, he said, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you with Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And then it says, about whom you received instructions. And if he comes to you, welcome him. And so it's like that John Mark, we see that is actually working with Paul. Then in the very last letter that Paul wrote, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, he writes to Timothy, and this is before Paul is martyred. Paul writes, he said, Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. I don't know if Barnabas heard those words, 
But if he did, boy, you know he had to smile. They had to have done something to him. Mark, John Mark, he's useful to me in ministry. You see, Barnabas believed in Mark. And as a result, he was right. Mark developed. In fact, Peter writes about Mark. He calls him his son in the ministry. And he learned a lot from Peter. And Peter influenced Mark so much that he wrote the second gospel that we have in the Bible, the gospel of Mark. You see, sometimes we do need second chances. We do need somebody that believes in us and says, you can do it. Just because you messed up on this trip doesn't mean your life's over. You can. And John Mark actually became a disciple. And Paul learned a lesson. He learned John Mark was useful to him. So what do we learn from all of this together? Here's what we learn. You know what? We're not perfect, none of us. And we don't tell each other, look at me. It's all about Jesus Christ. He's the only perfect one. I've heard people say, well, such and such preacher... They saved me. Well, I hope not. You see, they may have shared the gospel with you, but only Jesus Christ is the one that can save you. He's the only one that's perfect. He's the only one that died upon the cross and rose again. He's the only one that's going to impact your life for eternity. It's Christ. And so we've got to point to Him because, let's face it, we're all human. And we all make mistakes. So we point to Christ. But also, we realize there are times where each of us need to be able to use those 12 words that Cliff Barrels was talking about. We need to be able to confess, you know what, I'm wrong. And I'm sorry. Please forgive me. By the way, I love you. There's times we need to use those words. There's also times where we do need to be able to have a second chance. This morning we're going to have our time of invitation. And it could be that you need to be able to somebody come and receive Christ. Or there may be somebody that needs to come and receive a second chance. Or somebody that says, you know, I do need to use those words. And so when I get home, I'm going to make a phone call. Or when I get home, I'm going to talk to somebody in my family. And you may want to come and just pray. Just ask the Lord for His help and guidance. Let's just take a moment and let's have prayer together. Lord, I want to thank You so much for letting us be able to study today. We're grateful for, uh, for this opportunity. And I just ask now that You would just allow a freedom to be among us. And Lord, may Your Holy Spirit just be at work. And Lord, may You help us as we make decisions. Lord, give us courage. Give us the faith that we need. And Lord, there may be some things I didn't even mention, but you're at work in people's lives. There's burdens that they're carrying, and you're really the answer and solution. And I just ask that today that they would be able to seek your help with faith. That Lord, that they would realize that, Lord, you're the one that they need to be able to hide behind. You're the one they need to run to. I ask your blessings now in Jesus' name. Amen.